Welcome to Talking Shop, the podcast all about Adobe Photoshop. Brought to you by the Photoshop Virtual Summit. Here's your host, Dave Cross. Hello and welcome to episode 48 of the Talking Shop podcast. This week, the five forbidden fruits of Photoshop. Well, hello, my name is Dave Cross. If this is your first time coming across this Photoshop podcast, I'll just briefly tell you, I have been a Photoshop educator teaching Photoshop since it first came out in 1990, most recently through my website, learningphotoshop.cc. And on this podcast, I talk about all sorts of things that hopefully can help us all be better Photoshop users. This week, I want to share with you something that I started talking about a while back, which is something I call the five forbidden fruits of Photoshop, mostly because it's got a nice iteration to it, five forbidden fruits. But really what it is, is just another way for me to spread the gospel of working non-destructively. Now, if you have religiously listened to every single episode in this podcast, first of all, thank you very much. But secondly, some of this will sound a little familiar because, as you know, I do tend to talk about this concept a fair bit. And I'll tell you why, because over the years in both my own work and many of my students have come back and said, you know, there have been so many times now that I use some of your non-destructive methods and it really did help me. It saved me time. It let me go back and repurpose some of my existing work. It let me make adjustments when the client said, hey, can you just fix this one thing? I actually could. So let me talk about what I would consider five forbidden fruits, which is just a fun way of talking about things we really shouldn't do. So the first one on my list is erase. This is a pet peeve of mine, especially when I see people who have seemingly discovered things like the background eraser tool. And they're like, oh, look, I can get rid of the background really quickly with this. And my response usually is, first of all, but can you quickly? Because if you've ever tried using the background eraser, it's one of those tools much like the magic wand where it takes a bit of work for you to find the right setting and multiple clicks. And if it makes a mistake, you have to go back. And yeah, there's some ways you can make it operate better. But there's still the bottom line is when you are erasing, you're removing pixels from existence. And if later on, 25 steps later, you look at something and go, oh, wait, I erased part of that tree by mistake. Oops. And there's really no going back. So this means any tool with the eraser in it is just something that's not a great idea. Now, some people would argue that, well, you know, there'll be occasions where you'll look at something and go, I can just erase that. But remember, Using the eraser on a layer means it's going to be transparent when you're erasing, or if you're on a background layer, whatever your background layer is will show through. But some people I fear when they think about erasing or our next one that I'm going to talk about in a moment, deleting, they're thinking of like deleting something off of the page. Well, you're not really doing that. You can't just, if there's a beer can in the foreground of your photograph, you can't use the eraser to get rid of it. You have to cover it up. And I've talked about that in episodes where I've talked more about retouching is that we have to think about covering things up as opposed to removing them or getting rid of them. So yeah, the second one in my list is deleting. And this shares a very common ground with erasing. 
meaning if you take a selection tool and make a selection and then press delete, you're doing exactly the same equivalent as if you just took the eraser. So the only time that I'm okay with people using the word, I deleted this, is when they're talking about layers, when they have an unnecessary layer that they've decided they don't want. Yes, go ahead and delete that because, you know, that's an unnecessary piece. But thinking of erasing and deleting kind of in the same breath that we won't don't want to use those as a method of quote unquote getting rid of information like if you're going to replace the sky there are better ways to do it than getting your eraser out or selecting the whole sky and hitting the delete key for a variety of reasons and let me give you just one quick example so i was working with someone a while ago who talked about their method for replacing a sky so they had a, a very pale sky they just they tried using adjustment layers and things like that and just couldn't pull any more detail out so they thought fair enough well I'll replace the sky so what they did was they took the background eraser tool and was able were able to do what appeared to be a pretty decent job of removing the original sky although the problem of course was in between all the little tiny leaves some of the leaves went away and some of the small branches were suddenly erased or deleted as well. And when they put the new sky in, it was pretty obvious. You could see those edges. And then their question was, well, how do I deal with those edges? And my response was, well, to be honest, I wouldn't do it this way. I would consider using masks because that way there are some other options available to you. So for example, Imagine we have a photograph that has all kinds of very fine detail, and it could be tree branches or an example I've used before in some of my classes. I have a photograph I took of Venice, and in, in that one, in the skyline, there's all kinds of little antenna and tiny little trees, and selecting around those would be a nightmare. So instead, my approach is to make a selection that is going to include some of those. In other words, it's going to initially cover them up, so I take a photograph of the sky that I want to use, and I deliberately either choose a sky that's a little more saturated than I really want, or I do a bit of work on it to saturate it a bit more. Then when I do copy and paste into, it automatically makes the mask for me with a new layer. But then the trick is I take the opacity of that pasted sky, and when I lower the opacity, the original sky shows a little bit, but what does definitely show through are those fine details like the antenna and the little trees and the little branches and things that would just be a challenge to deal with. And I found that approach works really well. And frankly, sometimes the opacity of that new sky layer is pulled way down to like 20 or 30%, but it still looks good because there's still more detail in it than the original sky. And the fact that I oversaturated originally means that I'm still going to end up with the result that I want. So that's just a simple example of why I think ultimately, instead of erasing or deleting information, you're going to be much better off by thinking about that you really don't need them anymore. But gosh, this is always a little voice in my head going, you, you may think you don't need them anymore, but what if tomorrow or the next day someone comes along or even you look at it and you say, Oh, I do need to move that one object. So imagine for a moment that we wanted to have a series of little small boxes across the top of our photograph as kind of like a, a design element or something like that. So we take the first box 
and have it on a layer by itself and deselect, make sure it's not selected. Then we're going to use free transform, but with option or alt thrown in. So in other words, it would be command option T on the Macintosh, control alt T for PC. And then when we drag the box with that shortcut on, it means whatever transformation you're going to do, it's going to transform a copy. So we move the box X amount, whatever distance we want, and hit enter. Now we want more boxes that are evenly spread the same distance as we just did. So Photoshop has kind of a hidden trick that some people refer to as uh, repeat transform or transform again. And basically, or step and repeat is another term for it. After you've done that second copy, the distance you want, you pressed on the Macintosh, Command Option Shift T on PC, Control Alt Shift T, which is a shortcut for, in effect, whatever you just did, do it again. So you press that multiple times, and eventually we have, let's say, eight boxes nicely evenly spread out across the page. So at that point, you could ask yourself the question, do I really need eight separate layers for all that? And my thought is, maybe, because what if you decide later on it should have been six boxes evenly spread, or seven, or you want to add two more, or whatever it might be, I don't want to start over again. So if I merge all those layers, it's going to, of course, give me one layer filled with boxes. What I would rather do is either put them all in a group so it's easy to move them, but I still have access to them all, or convert to a smart object, which gives me the same kind of capability. Because a smart object looks like you've merged them, but of course what you've really done is put them inside that special container so you can still access the original contents if you want them. So we got two more forbidden fruits to go. We'll talk about those in just a moment. But first... It's time for the tip of the week. So for this week's tip, I'm actually going to steal my own thunder and talk about a little more about that shortcut I just mentioned, that Command-Option-Shift-T, Control-Alt-Shift-T. I almost hesitate to refer to it as step and repeat because for many people that makes them think, oh, I can use that for making multiple copies of something. But it really means whatever you just did, do it again. So for example, if you had a big oval and you wanted a bunch of ovals getting gradually smaller and rotating as they did, you would take the first oval on a layer by itself, press Command-Option-T or Control-Alt-T, and then move it, scale it, rotate it, and hit Enter. Now, when you hit that shortcut Command-Option-Shift-T or Control-Alt-Shift-T, it's going to repeat the same operation, and you'll get more and more ovals that are gradually getting smaller and rotating. So it's important to note that it's not just step and repeat. I mean, it, technically, I suppose it is, but it's more repeat the same transformation to a copy over and over again. The Photoshop Virtual Summit is a five-day online event with 20 expert Photoshop instructors sharing their knowledge in over 35 video classes. It's free to attend April 13th through 17th. PSSummit.com. Just before I finish talking about my the rest of my forbidden fruit, just a quick word about what you just heard, the Photoshop Virtual Summit. This was an idea I had some time ago, and I thought, no time like the present when we're all safe at home. I don't like the word stuck at home, so I usually safe at home and have an opportunity to really focus on learning. So I called upon a bunch of my friends who happen to be some of the top Photoshop instructors on the planet, and we put together this really cool event. And as it said, the 
Tickets are free. There's also an option for a VIP pass that gets you recordings and practice files and session notes and things like that. But I encourage you to check it out. It's going to be a great, great event. I can't wait for it to happen. So back to our story of the forbidden fruit of Photoshop. Next on the list is Rasterize. This one is probably, I would say, second only to the next one, Flatten, as a bad idea. And unfortunately, there are times where if you didn't under, really understand what it was doing, Photoshop almost prompts you. In fact, it does prompt you to do it. So for example, let's say you had converted a layer or a bunch of layers into a smart object, like those boxes we talked about earlier. So now it's one layer that's a smart object. And without thinking about it, you took your paintbrush and went to paint to change the color of one of the boxes, even though technically we can't. The warning dialog box is going to come up and say, in effect, I can't remember the exact wording, but in effect, it's going to say, you can't do that. The smart object must be rasterized before proceeding. And then it says, rasterize the smart object, question mark. And the two options are cancel and OK. And the OK button is the one that's kind of highlighted, meaning if you just press enter, you can click OK. So again, it's almost like it's prompting you to click OK. Well, when you rasterize anything, it turns it into just plain old pixels, which means in our example of our eight boxes, you would lose the ability to go back in and change the spacing without a whole lot of effort. Same thing applies with a type layer. There'll be times where you go to do something to type and it's going to prompt you to say you'd have to rasterize to be able to do that. Well, of course, if you turn type into pixels, you can no longer change the spelling or capitalize the beginning of the word or change the font or any of those things. And yeah, you can you could go in and start again and add a new type layer, but why why do that? So and a, a good example, having just said that that sometimes Adobe prompts us the wrong way, the rasterizing a smart object, I don't like that dialog box warning. But with a type layer, a number of versions ago, they actually changed it. So now if you go to, say, for example, you went to apply a filter to a type layer, now it's going to give you two options, rasterize or convert to a smart object. And yes, convert to a smart object now is the one that's actually highlighted, kind of like the OK button. So in that example, it's actually giving us a, a better alternative than rasterizing. But part of my concern and part of the reason I include this in my list is fellow that I've known for some time that just can't get his head around smart objects. And he said, I guess I must be doing something wrong because at least half the time I end up rasterizing it. And my response is, you are correct. You're not doing it in the best way because that defeats the whole purpose of something being a smart object or a smart filter or an editable type layer is rasterizing it. Now, like a lot of things, there are exceptions to every rule. If you have made a copy of your type layer and you want to rasterize the copy to do some special effect and experiment, okay, that's better than nothing. At least you still have the original type layer to work with. That's kind of the same idea as saving a copy of something instead of just saving. That, that gives you more options. Which leads me to talk about the last one on my list, but the biggest one of all is flatten. I really don't like the word flatten. In fact, I, some of you probably already know this because I've said it a zillion times. It's my favorite expression is to say flatten is Photoshop's F word, meaning it's bad and you shouldn't use it. In fact, I say it so often I got t-shirts made with that expression on them. But the whole idea is the only time, the only time that I feel like it's okay to flatten 
is when you're flattening a copy, meaning you have a layer document, you've saved that as a PSD to preserve all of your layers, and then you decide you need to make a copy that doesn't have layers. So for example, you want to put a JPEG up on social media. Well, I'm gonna preserve all my layers in a PSD file and then use save as, and in that dialog box, as soon as I pick JPEG, it's gonna flatten the document for me. My biggest fear is when I see people who use the flatten command, thinking they have to flatten first before they save as. Well, that's an unnecessary and I feel like potentially dangerous step because what if you're, you slipped and hit save by mistake and it's just not worth taking that chance. So flattening and saving is not good. Saving a flattened copy is perfectly fine because the word copy's in there and it means we're preserving our multi-layered original document to give us lots of opportunity to work on. So that's my list. Those are the five forbidden fruits of Photoshop, the things that you should avoid. And I think when you do, it'll just help you be a more successful Photoshop user. Well, thanks for listening. I always feel like on episodes like this, I picture myself on a soapbox in some park kind of waving my fist and going, don't rasterize. But yeah, it's really to make a point. Like I said, I'm always a little more dramatic about don't ever do this. And there'll always be exceptions, but at least please consider the more non-destructive alternatives. I'm Dave Cross. Thanks very much for listening. Please subscribe and tell your Photoshop using friends. Find us at talkingshop.show. This podcast is not authorized, endorsed, or sponsored by Adobe, publisher of Photoshop.